When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Boiler Up Down South. We've got something special for you today. This is the inaugural basketball edition. Shooty hoops? We're back with some shooty hoops after a nice fall of football. we got a couple of football games to go, but we're jumping into the basketball season because I know y'all can't live without our smooth voices. And also, we will still be talking about football. Uh, just more basketball focused this point of the year for obvious reasons. Boiler Up. Boiler up, we'll be talking football, basketball, anything else y'all want to talk about. Maybe we'll just uh, do one where we just sit and talk and let our ADD run wild and make weird sports references. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about the club water polo team at some point. Yeah, so anyways, it's Monday morning and our brains aren't braining real hard right now, but I think we're ready to go talk a little Xavier basketball. Yes, we are. Um, we're, are we going to uh, discuss like a little bit of the two cupcake games? We'll talk a little cupcake just in terms of maybe what we saw in those games that might carry over to Xavier. But, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't know if the uh, beating up on some um, daughters of the poor uh, tell us much about the Boilermakers. I figure we'll figure out a lot more about them tonight at 8 on FS1, I think. And, uh, yeah, this is not an ASMR podcast where we're trying to lull you to sleep. So, yeah, we probably won't talk too much about it. But, but um, I think we're going to go ahead and pay some bills. Garrett, do you like paying bills? Uh, I don't like the act of it, but I like being able to do so. Okay, so we'll do that first, and then we'll be back with you on the other side talking a little Xavier versus Purdue and a little recap of last week. And we're back from break. Uh, Garrett, first of all... Let's talk a little bit about last week, just to uh, sort of set the stage. Um, just uh, in a few words as possible, what did you like about uh, the first week of Purdue basketball? Oh, the pace was great, man. The pace was awesome. I mean, I think we saw at the end of last year, uh, the Ken Palm rank was somewhere around like three, 325, 350 in terms of uh, the offensive pace and that got Purdue into some trouble sometimes, and uh, the pace so far has looked excellent. Um, I think Painter's kind of figured out who on the court gives him the uh, the best opportunity to advance the ball quickly. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, I know I, I watched a lot of basketball with you last year, and you were not pleased with uh, Smith just sort of walking the ball up the court every, every time and really flirting with a 10 second count flirting with a 10 second count and then flirting with disaster in a couple other ways too that actually did result in disaster on occasion so yeah I mean, you don't want the, the molly hatchet uh, bringing the ball up the court uh, <laughs> style there this wouldn't be uh, a podcast with the phrase down south if we didn't mention some molly hatchet molly hatchets 
Um, and so, yeah, no, the Boilermakers, uh, you're right, Garrett, the Boilermakers finished last season average possession length, which is really what Purdue can control in terms of tempo at 19.2 seconds. That was 335th in the nation. Do you know how many teams there are? Uh, it's like 348, right? Something, something close to that. So Purdue's playing real slow last year through the first two games. And again, that's the caveat is Sanford and Moorhead State are not, uh, you know, great teams. But Purdue has played uh, average possessing length of 15.5 seconds at 70th in the nation in terms of uh, speed. So we've uh, significantly improved uh, how fast we were playing offense, at least through the first two games. If you think there's improvement, I personally do. I like a, a little faster-paced game. Um, and I know, Garrett, I think you probably do as well. So, um, Well, I, I don't necessarily care about the general pace as long as you're averaging more than, like, 50 shot attempts per game, which occasionally, even last year, we dipped below 50. I think there was a game where we had 46 even. Yeah, and that's sort of the thing for me is I feel like Purdue, uh, if they can maintain close to their – uh, average in terms of efficiency uh, playing with more pace the more possessions Purdue can get the more shots they get up with as efficient as they are the better I feel like teams have sort of done the math on them and, figure, and figured out that if you slow Purdue down their efficiency can't crush you because they just don't get enough possessions uh, to do that so teams have just sort of been holding hanging in with Purdue that maybe Purdue should have been blowing out because but because Purdue played at such a slow pace, they weren't blowing teams out uh, and, and, you know, maybe letting some teams hang around and clip them late. So, yeah, there, there were a lot of, like, 15-point leads last year that quickly shrunk to, like, three-point leads and even tie games, and I, I, I don't care for that. Yeah, and so I feel like playing a little faster, like we've been doing, uh, is a way to really sort of just get these lower-level teams out the gym yeah. early. Um, and you obviously saw that against Sanford. Um, with uh, uh, Samford uh, with the 98-45 win and Moorhead State with the 87-57 win. Um, so they've, they've added a little bit uh, as far as uh, personnel goes. I know we were talking before we started about Lance Jones and maybe being a little surprised at just what he's bringing to, to Purdue. Oh, sorry, I was taking a sip of tea. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was expecting Jones to come in and maybe be like, um, you know, like 12, 12 minutes a game to start out. He played, he played 26. There were only two other guys who played more minutes than he did uh, against Moorhead State. And, um, you know, I, that's a very welcome addition to the team. I can, I can tell you that, especially with, um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty speedy guard and was part of the uh, part of the uh, improvement in pace, so you know I'm excited to see uh, what he brings to the team once we get into not only the more difficult teams but the actual you know conference slate. Yeah, uh, again, I was impressed with Jones. I didn't ex know what to expect from him coming over from uh, Southern Illinois, but uh, man, he uh, he does. He pushes the pace. He's a dog on defense, and uh, he's not afraid to take the the deep shot. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. And uh, I feel like uh, Purdue needed somebody that can sort of run outside the offense. And I feel that uh, Lance Jones in that starting lineup can go get his uh, on his own uh, without having to have anything run for him. And I, I think that's a, important to have in that starting five. You get a little of that from Braden Smith. Um, 
But just having that second guy that can go get his own points, I feel like, is going to be uh, crucial for Purdue this season. Um, so like you said, uh, Edie's been, uh, you know, his normal dominant self, uh, but maybe not quite as much playing time. And I like that, especially to start the year. Yep. Uh, just we know what he brings. We know what he can do. Um, when you put him in the post, he's going to dominate. Um, we've seen Purdue have that and maybe struggle in March. So let, I, I think per, Painter is building up um, some more options uh, on that roster to sort of switch gears maybe a little bit uh, when Zach's not on the floor. And it's saving some wear and tear on the big man's knees. You know, he's getting beat up every time he goes down, uh, goes inside uh, the paint. Um, so maybe a little fresher Zach Eadie towards the end of the year. I don't expect, you know, he's in the 20s, 20 minutes now. He'll bump back into the 30s probably by Big Ten play. But Purdue has so many options, Garrett. They don't have to ride them Zach hard for minutes, um, knowing that they can always put him in the game when needed. Yeah, I mean, one, you want to save wear and tear on your big guys anyway. Two, he's like the big guy, you know, like just across all of college basketball. He's the big man in college basketball, at least right now. And I think it speaks a lot to uh, what Matt Painter can do in terms of recruiting where you can still blow teams out when your star player is only uh, playing like 22, 24 minutes a game. I Obviously, you know, he, it is going to bump up closer to 30 and probably surpass 30 at some point uh, once we get into the conference schedule. But um, especially early on in the season, you know, I didn't want to see I didn't want to see Edie playing 33 minutes against uh, against Moorhead State. Um, yeah, and you know, what I like about having Zach on the bench is he's kind of the ultimate run stopper. You can ride your second team for a while, and if things go wrong, you can always you can put the put best back player in. back in. Um, so I don't I don't know if he necessarily they Purdue necessarily have to have like a set rotation because they just have that guy that they can just at any time bring in the game and just change everything immediately. Um, so again, it's weird to say Zach Eady is not only the best starter on, on the floor, but coming off the bench, he's a great asset. You know when you just to have it be like, all right, second unit's getting rocked a little bit. Time to calm everything down. Bring the big man in. Let's throw the ball inside a couple times. Get, get the free throw line. Settle things down. So I feel like Purdue can run with pace. And if things start getting out of control, they can pull it back and just go with Edie. Um, and which I feel like is a, a real benefit that Purdue can play at a couple different uh, tempos uh, if needed. Um, we know they can play slow. We've been watching them play uh, fast um, for the first two games. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Xavier now. Let's get into this game. I wrote the preview for it, took a little bit of a deep dive. Um, first off, Xavier has had like the worst luck. This was supposed to be a marquee game. I feel like it's been downgraded a little bit. Kim Palm has Xavier as a B uh, uh, rated opponent uh, instead of an A rated opponent. Uh, they lost two major contributors that were supposed to return to uh, summerish injuries. Um, Fremantle, who was lead, their leading scorer midway through last season before he broke his foot, hurt his foot again. He's out for what looks like the season. Jerome Hunter, the Indiana transfer that we all know, had a huge NCAA tournament 
and he had uh, a cardiac issue this summer, and uh, so he is also uh, he's, he's fine as far as you know that goes, but uh, he is also out uh, indefinitely. So what started as a maybe a premier matchup between uh, front courts has really uh, shifted at least in Xavier to the back court for them. Uh, so that should be uh, an interesting thing to watch. Um, what they do have is Desmond Claude, and he poses uh, a pretty interesting question for Purdue. Uh, Garrett and I were sort of talking about that earlier. Garrett, what, what do you think about uh, Xavier's big wing out there? Well, I mean, he's kind of like a hybrid wing who's essentially running the point at this point. Um, not to say the word point too many times at one point in time. <laughs> Uh, but it really raises the question of, like, who do you put on him? Because, um, you know, our guards are going to be smaller than this guy who's six six. What is he, like, 2'10"? Two, 2'10"-ish, two ten? Two ten yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and he's he's their main scoring threat. So what I think you and I agreed on was the guy who's most capable of being stuck on him is probably Ethan Morton. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all dependent on the kind of offense, uh, well, I guess just both sides of the court, the, the kind of ball that Matt Painter wants to play at a given point in time. Um, so, you know, that's going to be an interesting piece to the puzzle. And there are so many guys on this roster who are worthy of playing time, uh, this Purdue roster, uh, to be specific, to where I really think Painter can kind of just pick and choose what style of ball he wants to play and use the personnel accordingly. I think if you try to find, like, one quintessential – quote, starting lineup at the end of this season, there's not going to be one. Um, and, you know, we saw that a lot last year with uh, with Gillis and Hurst, you know, kind of swapping duties. And, uh, like, it, it's it's an embarrassment of riches, uh, which is a great problem to have. Um, and I think it's really just up to Matt Painter how he wants to do plug-and-play dependent on the, uh, the opponent. Right, and that three spot's really going to be the issue. I think the three and four, Purdue has a lot of versatility there. When you play Fletcher Lawyer at the three, that uh, he's got to guard the opposing three because Braden Smith and Lance Jones uh, both, uh, neither of them are very big dudes. Smith is listed, uh, you know, at six feet, 5'11", six feet. Lance Jones is six one, six feet. Tall, so neither of them are big dudes. If they put a big athletic guy out on the wing, um, that's either got to be lawyers, man, or uh, Purdue's got to make some changes in their lineup. Um, so yeah, the other quick thing is the teams have to guard Fletcher Lawyer, and so he is an integral part of Purdue's defense offense. Sorry, when he's shooting the ball. Now I will say that uh, Fletcher needs to shoot the ball to be effective in this offense. And if he doesn't shoot the ball uh, like he did against Moorhead, I think he only took two shots over 20-something minutes. That's not getting it done for me, Fletcher Lawyer style. He brings shooting to the team. When he's not shooting, I feel like Purdue has better options to fill the other stuff. So I'd really like to see Fletcher come out uh, against Xavier and be a little more aggressive than he was uh, against Moorhead State. He had 27 minutes. Uh, two points, uh, oh, a two from three, and he hit two free throws, three rebounds, and an assist. That's that's not a stat line. I think uh, that's gonna keep Fletcher in the starting lineup, honestly. 
Um, Purdue has a lot of options at the three uh, with Heidi and Colvin and, uh, you know, Morton. And they can, we could even talk about Brian Waddell a little bit there. So there's a lot of options there. And, and if Fletcher wants to hold on, I think he, yeah, I, I know he needs to shoot the ball more. Um, he needs to be a little more aggressive and, and look for his. If he's, again, if he's not looking for his shot, is he an elite defender? No. Is he an elite passer? He's a very good passer. I wouldn't say elite. Uh, not a great ball handler. So um, shooting's his elite skill. If he's not shooting, I want somebody else in that in the lineup. That said, he needs to shoot. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at that stat line and you're like, okay, but that's not gonna keep you like playing that many minutes a game, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and again, there are so many options there uh, at the at the three and kind of like flex flex two position. Um, so, you know, uh, lawyers got to shoot. Um, like you said, he's not he's not playing twenty seven minutes a game because he's an elite defender. He's a decent defender. He's not playing twenty seven minutes a game because he's like a field general on offense. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need to see some more of him uh, picking and popping his shots um, if he wants to stay playing that that volume of minutes yeah and we saw that against Stanford where he came out shooting and went uh you know put up 12 points in 17 minutes and hit four six three so it's there um one thing if teams are playing tight on three-point line that hurts lawyer because he just I don't know if he has the second second move we've seen him drive the basket and dunk it I'd like to see that again um, but the three, I feel like, is going to be a, a question for Purdue moving forward if Lawyer really secures that with his shooting or if one of the younger guys maybe jumps in and grabs it with some of their athleticism, if they can you know, also hit some shots. Um, and again, there's always uh, Ethan Morton, who is going to play an important role on this team. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be at the three or maybe uh, coming in and playing – the two star or the backup point guard, but uh, Morton's gonna find some minutes because just because he of what he brings outside of uh, you know, outside of scoring, like against Sanford, uh, his only game of the year, he was sick last uh, week. He led the team in assists with uh, or second the team in assists with five, led the team in steals with four. Uh, so that's sort of I think his role this year is facilitator. And in uh, the uh, defender, but we'll see if he can score enough to stay on the court. It's going to be an interesting sort of problem for Matt to have. Uh, let's go back a little bit, talk a little bit more about this Xavier team because I think we all have talked about uh, Purdue for the last the basketball for uh, for the last several months without uh, really having much of an answer. So we're going to get some answers tonight. Like I said, Claude is the uh, go-to guy. They also have uh, Rice transfer, Quincy Olivari. He's averaging uh, 15 points a game. He's second uh, in scoring. He's a guy that's got a quick trigger. He's going to go out. He's going to look for his shots. Um, he's another smaller, quicker guy. So I feel like that's going to be a really good matchup for Lance Jones uh, to sort of hold down that spot. Um, and then you, of course, you've got uh, their starting point guard, uh, Davion, uh, Davion McKnight. He's a transfer out of Western Kentucky. It's his first year in the program. Hey, we know a guy who transferred to Western Kentucky. Oh, that's right. 
Um, and so, you know, he's a, uh, he was a scorer at Western Kentucky, averaged 16 and a half, uh, last year, 16 as a sophomore. Uh, he's only put up six a game so far for them in maybe a little different role, uh, at Xavier where he's going to be the, uh, lead ball handler and assist guy. He is leading their team in assists, 4.5. He'll be a solid matchup for Braden Smith. Again, pretty similar matchup, 6'1", 190, quick, uh, experienced guy. Um, so the backcourt is going to be an interesting matchup uh, for Purdue. And that sort of takes us to the front court of Xavier, which, I, again, is, is pieced together. Now, an interesting thing about the front court is we do have a former North Texas player uh, playing uh, for a center for them, Abu Usman. And Abu Usman was part of that uh, Purdue upset in uh, the tournament. I think he played, uh, you know, 15 minutes, had a couple points. So we've seen him before. He's going to be the key to their team, uh, I think, in this game, is if he can stay out of foul trouble. Uh, he's a good athletic big, 6'10", 250 uh, for North Texas. He averaged 11 points uh, over a block a game, six rebounds a game. Um, he's a decent passer as well. Uh, he plays a lot of minutes. Um, he doesn't take a lot of threes, or doesn't shoot any threes. He's more of a uh, traditional post player. Um, and what they really like to do with him, he's, he's mobile for his size, and they like to spread the floor and play uh, four around one, and then use uh, Usman as uh, the screen and roll guy. Um, so they'll set a lot of screens with the big man and then roll him to the bucket in their half-court game. He also runs pretty well in the full court, so Zach's going to need to make sure he's... Uh, run up and down the court because I think one thing Usman is going to try to do is beat him down the court uh, to get some cheap baskets. Um, and then in, their, uh, in the final spot in their starting lineup is uh, forward Guinness Nimic. Oh, man. They got some names on this team, dog. I've tried this one. I've practiced it several times. Uh, Nimiiska? I, th I, I think it's Guinness Nimiksa. Nimiksa. Nimiksa? Nimiksa, something. It's close to that. Nimiksa makes it pretty hard to say. It does. 6'7, 220. Uh, he's uh, not your maybe traditional four. Consider him a little bit more like maybe a Vince Edwards type. He's averaging nine and a half points a game, seven rebounds though. So he's a uh, he's a guy that can uh, score some points uh, for them. They like to use him as like the third guy that comes in in the four uh, around one. So they'll put uh, you know Usman in the in the pick and roll, and when the uh, uh, when they start to drive the ball, they'll slide. Uh, Guy, oh my god, uh, I'm gonna try that name one last time and then we're just gonna call him uh, by his number. We're gonna call him GN. GN, they'll, they'll use him, they'll slide him in uh, to the lane to, to look for the rebound. Um, so, yeah, what do you think, uh, if anything, Xavier can do to bother Purdue with their offense? Well, I kind of liked where you were going with uh, Usman, like trying to beat Edie down the court, um, because I mean. You, you look at Xavier's, uh, like, average height, and they're, like, dead dead middle in the country. Like, dead middle average. The average height is, I think, 77.2 inches, and they're 77.1. So they're a little bit shorter than average. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's their biggest guy at 6'10", but he is very mobile. Um, and that can pose...
exposed to be a problem, especially with like three talented uh, guard forwards um, that they have with uh, with McKnight and with uh, Oliveri and with Desmond Claude. So, I think their key to success is Usman. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, but also reminder that he is the tallest guy on their team and still six inches shorter than our center. So yeah, no, I, that's the only real matchup I see uh, other than Claude uh, that could give Purdue some issues, and that would just be Zach, you know, them spraying the floor, pick and roll, they'll do the high pick and roll, they'll do some side pick and rolls. Sean Miller's going to do his best to neutralize Zach Eady with uh, their offense because they don't have anything for him on defense. And the good news with, for Purdue is, yeah, okay, so we, we want to go, and we've got, uh, you know, Zach gets in foul trouble, and you've got this mobile center. Oh, well, we can bring Caleb first off the bench, 6'10", 225, you won't find a more mobile center than him. You can also slide Kaufman uh, and Rin down, 6'9", 230. A little bit bigger. I'd say maybe a little more physical with his uh, uh, his back down stuff. So Purdue has options uh, this year uh, if Edie gets in foul trouble. And, of course, then you're thinking Purdue can also just turn the tables and run their Zach Edie offense for the first five minutes of the game and see if they can get Usman in foul trouble. That's really the benefit this Purdue team has. They can play in so many different ways. But say if they want to get your center out of the game, uh, if you're playing man defense, they can go to Edie four, five, six times in a row, row. in a row, and just punish him uh, and see if they can uh, pull him. Because once they get, if they can get uh, Usman off the court, um, after that they have a six nine. Fresh, true freshman, Sasa Siani. Siani, yeah, he's. And I was gonna mention that too. It's like when, when your two tallest guys are six nine and six ten, that's not inherently bad. But those are your two tallest guys, and the rest of the roster is very, uh, yeah, it's very mid sized. Mid sized. They, I mean, even their power forwards aren't like bruisers. They're like six seven. Yeah. So uh, I, I really feel like just getting to Usman uh, could be. Purdue's way to just really take that game over. Of course, um, you know, they, they do have a couple. They're not a great shooting team, uh, but uh, Desmond uh, Quincy Olivari is their shooter, um, and he can get hot. Uh, the former Rice player has, uh, you know, had a bright red light at Rice, uh, so he is a guy that knows how to fill it up uh, and somebody that Purdue will definitely have to watch. Uh, one thing that does concern me about Xavier is their bench. Um, as we all know, Sean Miller had, was caught cheating in Arizona. Naughty, naughty. Uh, and uh, returned to Xavier as punishment. Uh, that seems... That's a pretty good punishment gig. I'll yeah. Yeah, wow. He returned to, you know, where he started his career. Um, and so... Uh, He's a good coach, though. He's a good defensive coach. He's going to give Purdue some trouble, I, th I think, with the looks, uh, with their spread offense. Uh, but in the end, I just I don't think Xavier has enough uh, without the, missing their two front court guys. Uh, but I do think it is going to be a good test. Like I said, the one thing that does bother me, getting back to that, is their bench. Uh, their bench is super young and, and talented. Sean Miller... Uh, is really good at recruiting. Now, we'll see how good he is without uh, the backing of the shoe company. Uh, <laughs> but um, he's done pretty pretty well at Xavier so far. Uh, 
he brought in four-star guard, uh, point guard trade, uh, uh, trade Green. Uh, Green, uh, I've watched him play. Uh, he was the uh, MVP of the Peach Jam uh, in AAU for his AAU team. Uh, six foot one sixty. Uh, he's just a light. He's small. He's, he's very small. small. Very small and skinny. Lightning bug on, on the court. He's gonna bounce around, uh, push the tempo, try to get to the basket. That's gonna be a fun matchup for uh, Braden Smith, because um, this is a game where um, it's interesting. Jones and Smith. Uh, you play them both at the same time, and then they bring a fast, athletic guard off the bench. Uh, one of them is going to have to play some pretty big minutes because one of them is going to have to be on the court to, to guard Trey Green. Yeah. Well, and um, well, before I go into any more actual basketball talk, you said Trey Green was bouncing around, and my smart aleck response was going to be well of course he's bouncing around otherwise it'd be a travel (laughs) hilarious but no i mean well let's let's go back to um let's go back to olivari real quick Uh because you were saying put jones on olivari right jones i don't think he's actually 6'1 i don't either (laughs) uh you know if i was if i was listed uh on a height and weight chart I'd be wearing two pairs of socks and basketball sneakers, so I'd go from six six to six eight probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's he's six one is what I'm saying. Um, Quincy Olivar, he's small, but he's not that small. He's six three two hundred. Yeah. Uh, so I think I that's that's gonna be like a work cut out for him situation for uh, for Jones, but I I really do kind of like the defensive fortitude we have with guards and how we can kind of test out who is probably the most capable of guarding Green versus Olivari versus I really think it's just going to have to be Ethan Morton on Desmond Claude. Um, but, I mean, where, do you see them, like, alternating back and forth on, on Green? Because I think he's going to be, again, like you said, like kind of a lightning bug, lightning bolt. And yeah, I don't know what their plan is. This is going to be such an interesting game in the backcourt. Purdue's built really – what Matt has been starting is a really kind of a weird lineup where Purdue has one of the smaller backcourts in the nation with Smith, Jones, and Lawyer at the 1, 2, and 3, and then just a giant front court with right. Edie and uh, Kaufman Wren. And so, I, I, like I said, I just, I, it's going to be fun to see Purdue deal with a bigger guard – our bigger wing, like what happens when you play Florida State and they're all their guards are like six eight, right? Oh. <laughs> um, or uh, when you play, you know, Duke and they've got those sort of long guards, or you know, Gonzaga has some of those uh, guys. And we'll be talking about Gonzaga very soon. Very soon. So uh, this is a very good ma- uh, warm up, and it'll give you an idea, I think, of how Matt Painter is going to handle a team with a uh, sort of a scoring uh, wing. Um, Sorry, that is our uh, co-producer, an elderly pit bull named Lovely. She's coming in now, so here comes some clicking. Come on. Come on. Hey, baby. All right. She's a big basketball fan because she gets to sit in my lap while we play. All right, so... Um, Garrett, uh, what what do you what do you look for from for Purdue here? Uh, just uh, on defense, 
defense, I want to see some real experimentation of which guard is going to be your go-to defensive guard. You know, yeah. um, I think all of these guys are capable of being that guy, uh, at least in certain long stretches, medium long stretches. Um, but I think Matt Painter is going to figure out a lot about his team this week, and I think that's why it's a really good it's a really good game to have as your third of the year, you know, because most most powerhouse teams like Purdue are going to start with some easy opponents anyway. Um, and this is a this is a great now. I think you said Ken Palm has him as a, a B tier opponent. This yep. is a, this is a great third game of the year. Yeah, especially given like what we were saying. Uh, well, I guess what Drew was saying with. Um, our front court is huge, and we have a small back court, and their back court is kind of bigger and has a smaller front court. So we'll see uh, how that, you know, kind of unfolds and how that plays once we face teams of various sizes uh, going forward. Yeah, and another thing to watch is how they handle this, uh, more of a stretch four uh, with Kaufman Wren is uh, can he come out and defend uh, – a guy like uh, G.N. Gaitis. Gaitis? Yeah. Gaitis? Gaitis. 6 7 two twenty. Um, He's not a like a great three-point shooter, but he will. But he will try. He'll try it. He'll step out and hit. He's 1 and 2 on the year, 50%. He's not a guy that's going to just like bomb away from deep, uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, for, for what Xavier likes to do. But um, if, if you leave him alone, he will do that. He's also a guy that uh, he's not bad with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's more of a, a glue guy for them. Uh, so well, we'll see how Kaufman Rins handled maybe a little bit uh, smaller, quicker player at the four. And again, it's nice for Purdue. Oh, they're playing a smaller, quicker guy. We'll just bring Mason Gillis off the bench at the four, and, and we can match that, match that up as well. Um, so, man, the Purdue bench, I feel like this year is going to be just the big difference. Um, having all those guys just be a year older, a year better, have that sort of Big Ten experience, and even that big loss under their belts, I feel like may really uh, help that team uh, grow uh, uh, moving forward. Um Cameron Heidi, Camden Heidi, I keep calling him Cameron, but it's Camden, is another interesting guy. 6'7 for Purdue. He can play the three. He can play the four. He can play four, yeah. He can play the, uh, the four. He's a guy that we're going to have to find minutes for. Um, the guy, he's a freak athlete, and he's just one of those guys that's going to throw a, throw a dunk down on somebody this year that's going to just like shut down the internet. Um, I'm excited for it. Um, I, I think he's got a good role maybe in this game coming off the bench as well uh, and uh, giving Purdue something. Again, at the three or even maybe the four, uh, if uh, Xavier wants to sort of stay small and push the pace. Now, one thing I will notice that I noticed in both of Xavier's games, they were really hard to find on the, <laughs> the internet, surprisingly. Uh, but uh, they like to push the pace off rebounds. Uh, if their big guy is rebounded, it's a quick shovel to one of the three. It doesn't matter if it's Olivari or uh, or Claude or, or the point guard. They're going to get the ball, and then they're going to go and transition. Um, so I, I like that for Purdue. Teams last year that tried to play with Purdue got blown out. 
teams that uh, tried to slow the game down. I remember at the beginning of the year, Duke and Gonzaga thought they were going to come just out-tempo Purdue out of the game. And we remember, uh, saw what happened there. Purdue blew them both off the court. Yeah, um, that was pretty sweet. Again, efficiency is the name of Purdue's game. And if uh, I, they don't lose a ton of it when they speed up, so if they can just get more shots up, that uh, they're going to be more efficient than the opponent, and they're going to sort of, like I said, build that uh, gap uh, a little faster, maybe put teams away. Um, who do you think the leading scorer for Purdue is going to be this, in this game outside of Zach Eadie? Um Kind of put me on the spot there. I haven't really thought yeah, about that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a tough question, because I feel like that might be a tough question for Purdue... All seasons. All seasons. Like, who's going to be the number two? Yeah. Um, you know, just just given what I think uh, Gillis is going to be res- held responsible for doing, uh, both guarding threes and fours, and potentially going down low and guarding a, a center, um, I think he's going to get some real good playing time, and I think he's going to be uh, pretty pretty uh, invaluable uh, close to the paint, not necessarily in the paint, but close to the paint. I got you. So we're looking for Gillis come in smaller. They're going to play that smaller four. Gillis come in and hit some shots uh, uh, on the outside, you know, do his uh, brawler thing on the inside, uh, which I feel like is probably a pretty good matchup with uh, Guidus there, uh, who is also a pretty brawly sort of guy who's not going to shy away from the paint. Uh, Lithuanian basketball players are nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I that dude grew up eating like cabbage and onions. He's a tough dude. You're going to he's he's going to put the hurt on you. Um, and so uh, that's a tough matchup. But I still like I said, Gary, at the end of the day I like Purdue. Uh, Ken Palm liked Purdue going away in this one. They've got it 83-70. He's got an 87% confidence uh, level. Um, I like that, too. I think I think Purdue wins this game. I, like you were saying, I think it's a nice medium step up. I don't feel, I feel like this could actually be uh, a big... Uh, could have been a much... It was going to be a much better game um, before Xavier was sort of knocked out with those two uh, big uh, injuries. But, um, man. I think especially for the young guys, this game has the chance to be a huge confidence booster. I do, too. It'll be nice to see the young guys get out there against some of this high-level opponent uh, before. I don't, want, I don't want their first, uh, like, taste of, like, real high-level basketball uh, in an important role to be against Gonzaga. Uh, I'd rather them get a nice little warm-up in a game that's probably going to hang around 10, 12 points for most of the night. I feel like like Xavier only goes eight deep, and three of those guys are true freshmen. They bring off the bench. So I I think Purdue wears them down. uh, And uh, in the end, probably takes this by 15 to 18 points, but I think it's going to be a game with more game pressure, obviously, than the first two games. Um, Way better competition, especially on the outside. So that first half, when Xavier's fresh and uh, Purdue's fresh, is going to give you an idea about how they are going to maybe play some of the more athletic teams on their schedule 
uh, and give you a good uh, preview of Maui. So this is definitely a game uh, I think is worth your time to uh, to watch to give you a nice uh, feel for what Purdue's going to do moving forward uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It's going to be a good preview of seeing like how we can react uh, and adapt and overcome uh, you know, teams of various size. Um, you know, it's 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 a matchup that should have been a little bit uh, better than it was. I again, we don't like injuries, and especially those cardiac events are <sighs> especially yeah. scary. And there are a lot of those in basketball. Um, so I'm glad, glad Jerome is is doing well, man. You that's just you hate to see that when you're that young, man. That's terrifying. God. That is, that's terrifying. Um, but yeah, I mean. Good, good step up from the first two, uh, first two tiers of competition between Samford and uh, Moorhead State. Um, it's it's a winnable game for Purdue. Very well, I mean, <laughs> Purdue's d- predicted to win by by a good. Margin. See, we've been doing too many Purdue football th- yeah. th- podcasts. We're yeah. like, it's a winnable game. No guarantee. You need to say it with your chest. Purdue's coming out, and yeah, maybe, Purdue's gonna win this one. Purdue's gonna win this one. Um, Ken, Ken Palm has it, Drew said. Ken Palm has it at, uh, and this is Ken Pomeroy for the uninitiated. He's uh, a uh, he's a statistician who has a great website. Um, if any of you Purdue math nerds like really like getting into nerdery of basketball, Ken Palm has yeah, I think it's like twenty bucks for the year, and it's the coolest like stats. Like I don't know how I even did all of this without having just at my fingertips all of the advanced stats um and so yeah highly recommend if you're into uh basketball nerdery um i just wanted to sort of go through maybe some of Purdue's ken palm uh performance uh to start the year just to give you all just a taste and adjusted efficiency number one number one in the nation once again efficiency monsters uh defensive efficiency eighth in the nation oh that's so bad yeah that was much better last year. That was that last year that fell off. Um, no, it and, really did, yeah. And that was uh, it, it picked up towards the end of the year. They ended up being twenty fourth, uh, but uh, you know that's sort of one of those things where they look and say the team teams that are outside maybe the top ten uh, defensive efficiency uh, a lot of times struggle uh, to win it all. Uh, so there you go. Purdue be a little more efficient on defense again. Stanford and Moorhead State uh, aren't, aren't the best uh, test. Uh, effective field goal percentage, of course, is very high. 65, they're pretty good at 65%. Uh, so they're fifth in the nation there. Also fifth in the nation on defensive effective field goal percentage. So we're, we are both scoring it efficiently and making the opponent sh- uh, score it inefficiently at 34.1%. So, man, that you can't ask for more than that. But, again, it's a hard, to, hard to judge. Although I will say Samford is a lot better than uh, and Moorhead State. I mean, are, are both better teams than they showed against Purdue. Uh, Purdue's just such a and both will compete and possibly win their uh, conference. Um, I think they're both favored to do so. Um, just to show you just how special this Purdue team is, um, both the Samford and Moorhead are no joke non-conference uh, teams. Uh, as far as getting those smaller schools, I really just annihilated them. Um, last, a couple things. Three-point percentage. And this is always the question, right? This is what teams are going to do. Double ED, make Purdue hit shots. And Purdue is currently hitting 46.2% of their threes. Uh, 
They are 12th in the nation. If that holds, uh, Purdue's national champions. I'm just going to say it right now. If Purdue, if Purdue finishes in the top 15 in three-point shooting percentage this year, they win the national championship. Well, dude, I mean, like, even even hitting, like, 41% from three is, like, elite level, and that's 46.2. Last year, they were 32, they hit 32.2% of their chances. Which still is not bad. I mean, it's not great, though, here. It's not great, but... That's, uh, I mean, it's close. So, a lot of, when you start talking about the lower rungs, like, a lot of teams are, like, sort of grouped there, so maybe the difference between the 276th team in the nation... Which where Purdue finished last year in three point percentage, and say the 150th team, it might be like a one percent difference or something, yeah. especially early in the year. Uh, but uh, still, uh, a market improvement uh, from the Boilermakers, uh, and I feel like uh, it hasn't just come from them being super selective in their three point shooting either. Uh, I know Lance Jones against uh, uh, against uh, Moorhead State was bombing away from deep, deep. Well, the, uh, no, probably the last thing I want to say about Lance Jones, but what I was talking about a lot last year was that uh, offensively at times, like, Purdue was very passive. Yeah. Like, lit- literally and figuratively passive. Like, nobody seemed to want to pick their shot and shoot the ball. Lots of, I love ball movement. I, lo- I love that. But lots of extra passes, like unnecessary passes. And that kind of manifested itself with, like, seeing a downturn in several important players' three-point percentage um, from the previous year. It seemed at times, I'm not saying as a blanket statement, but it seemed at times like nobody really wanted to be the guy shooting the ball. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't just, hey, feed Edie down low. Um, so, you know, if, if that three-point percentage stays up there, stays not even just like past 40, but stays like at like around 45%, that's absurd. Uh, I know we're two games into the season, and it was Moorhead State and uh, Stanford, but, you know. Just hitting, I mean, the thing with Purdue last year is they were missing open shots. So I don't even know if, like, playing Stanford and, and Moorhead State is, like, a bad thing a bad thing in terms of, like, being able to judge three-point shooting. Because it's not like Purdue was, like, like taking a bunch of contested threes. They were missing open threes. Yeah. I mean, they just hit the open ones, and they did that in the first two weeks. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be just, they're going to be unstoppable. If, if they, I mean, I don't, like Garrett said, I don't, there's no way they keep this pace up, but um, just being able to hit those shots, man. Uh, I will also say that I think this bench and there's youth, uh, the youth off the bench is going to take care of that passive issue that we saw last year. Um I just, I, 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 like Garrett said, I felt like a lot of times I think the Purdue guards had it sort of drilled into their head that the best shot on the court is Zach Eady, uh in the paint. And so even when they had what I would consider a good look for three from a college guard, um, their first thought wasn't shoot it. Uh, I don't know, Garrett, when I play basketball, uh, especially when I'm uh, outside just sort of uh, waiting for a spot up three, I want to be able to catch and shoot and not have anything. I don't. I don't. I don't want to think about anything. I want right. the ball to hit my hands and I want it to go up uh, because that's my job. If I'm spotting up from three, I don't want to think. Should I move this one more time? Should I throw this into the paint? 
I want to just hit my hands. Have it in your head that I am going to shoot. I am going to shoot the basketball. If it hits my hands, I am going to shoot it. I feel like Lance Jones has that. Um, I feel like uh, Roosevelt or Colvin. I almost called him Roosevelt Colvin. Um, And I mean, I bet Rosie could still can still hoop based on uh, what he looks like these days. But I kind of wonder, uh, Garrett, when uh, Miles uh, first defeated Rosie on the basketball court. Um, he, uh, you know, professional athletes are a different breed, and they don't like losing. So I bet there were some, uh, between Raven, who's a star on Purdue's uh, volleyball team, Miles and uh, Roosevelt, uh, I bet there was some brutal uh, driveway uh, basketball games being played at the uh, Colvin residence. Uh, a whole lot of uh, you're gonna learn today, youngin. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I just can only imagine driving it to the hole and uh, having uh, being met by Roosevelt Colvin, New uh, New England uh, Patriots uh, Super Bowl winning linebacker, uh, and uh, probably uh, Miles is. I wouldn't gonna say he's uh, probably a pretty tough dude. Uh, growing up uh, in the uh, Colvin household. I would imagine. And man, I don't know. I feel like Roosevelt may have missed his calling because Miles and uh, Raven, they can both jump out the gym. Um, there are two schools of thought here. He either uh, he either pulled a Garrett's dad and would block his son's shots and say, not in my literal house. <laughs> uh, or, you know, I, I, I was uh, a youth member of the Atlanta Hawks organization and Jason Terry would let me do layups on him. So, you know, there's two ways it could have gone, but also Jason Terry wasn't my dad. My dad is my dad. It would be hilarious if Jason Terry was your dad. Uh, there's not much resemblance there, man. Me, me and the Jet don't exactly look similar. Why did you put a headband on? I could see. I'm never shaving my head. My hair is too gorgeous. It's true. He does have very nice hair. I'm jealous. Uh, but anyways, Garrett, I, we could talk about uh, Purdue Shooty Hoops uh, probably for another hour, but uh, I think everybody uh, would probably get tired of our just sort of uh, bouncing back and forth. Uh, give me the key to the game for you tonight. Uh, I'm going to, dude, I'm going to stick with where we started with and say pace. Like, I really just want to see, it's really not even that I want to see us outpace them. I just don't want to see us get outpaced because mm-hmm. um, that would bring up some one, PTSD from last year, and uh, two, um, some questions as to, like, okay, well, where do we go now with our guards and forwards, um, guarding speedy guards and forwards? Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with pace, and then um, a big subcategory of that pace is uh, seeing if, uh, if Edie can beat Usman down the field. Down the field, down the court, good Lord. Either way, field, court... Same thing. I'm they sure. call them field goals. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure our fo- our friendly folks in Indiana won't take any offense to you calling the basketball court a field. Uh, so, anyways, um, Purdue. Uh, good news. John Rothstein just reported uh, about an hour ago, probably when we started this podcast, that uh, more, Ethan Morton is back tonight after having the flu. Uh, so that'll be uh, a big addition to Purdue. And yeah, for me, I think the key of the games, uh, the game is just seeing how Painter handles a hard, a tougher opponent. I've been very impressed with what he's done uh, to start the year in terms of tempo, using his bench, um, overwhelming teams, 
just with sheer numbers and just throwing player after player uh, at them. Um, does he blink against a tougher opponent? This will be the first real test of this uh, is when things start going uh, maybe not the way he wants it to go. Can he stay with his uh, you know rotation uh, and more of an up pace game or does it revert back to sort of walking down the court and playing Edie ball because that's what you know he's most comfortable with in, in a tight game. So um, that's sort of where I am right now. Garrett, uh, Roger, uh, I'm sorry, Ken Palm has the uh, has it as a Purdue, uh, let's see, 8370. 8370. As yeah. I said before, do you like that? What's, what's your thought on this? I'm, I'm actually going a little, um, a bigger margin of victory, but uh, lower overall score. Uh, I'm going to say Purdue wins 80-55. Uh, 80-55. See, I'm going the opposite way. We'll see how it turns out. I think Purdue's going to score a few more points. Nick Xavier's going to f- score a few more points because Purdue has some trouble guarding their backcourt and pick and rolls. I'm going to go like something like 87-89-77, s- something like that. Um, so I think, I think we're, we're both in agreement. Purdue win double digits, uh, maybe just how it looks getting there. Um, and so uh, we will be back uh, to do uh, the uh, post game wrap uh, probably tomorrow, and then we'll have a week uh, off, and then we'll get geared up for Gonzaga on the twentieth. Um, really, Purdue only has in the next uh, two weeks. So we've got this game on the thirteenth. We've got Gonzaga a week later on the 20th on Monday. And then a whole eight days. And then a whole eight days until Texas Southern. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Northwestern uh, it starts the Big Ten season uh, December 1st. Wait a second. Hold yeah. on. Yeah, no, that's December 1st. Northwestern. That's December 1st. Okay, I was like, where is the, the tournament in here? There it is. It's in, it's, it's also in December. Um it's always it always throws me for a loop when they start the Big Ten tournament or the Big Ten uh, schedule. So we play Northwestern and then we play Iowa, Iowa. and then we play Alabama uh, and Arizona and Jacksonville and Eastern Kentucky right there, uh, sort of in that December holiday hoops uh, schedule before jumping back in and uh, to the Big Ten slate in January with uh, Maryland. So we'll be with you all season. Looking forward to, uh, you know, guiding y'all through uh, Purdue's national championship season. We'll just save all of these and put them in some sort of, like, uh, uh, basketball time capsule. I'm going to get a, uh, a, a USB drive that's uh, gold-plated. Ooh. And uh, we can engrave uh, 2024 national championships in there right now. Yep. And we'll just pump up a bunch of them and sell them to all y'all and make thousands of dollars. And then... Uh, and then probably get sued by Purdue. Yeah. That's a, well. We didn't have the express written consent of the Big Ten Network. Oh, no. Uh, all right, y'all. Anyways, we're going to stop talking now uh, and, uh, so I can go think about Purdue football for a minute. Um, so, uh, Garrett, any last words? Normal last words? Uh, well, hardly any of the words I say are normal. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, no, I, I really just am excited for this game. I think it's going to be a uh, good, good little test for the – According to some people, number one team in the country uh, against a very, very solid opponent who has uh, encountered some bad luck um, injury-wise. But aside from that, we will watch the game and enjoy it, and I will be writing something about the Matt Painter show post-game tomorrow. Um, 
Yeah, I'm just excited for this one, man. Uh, I'm excited for real basketball to be starting. Same, bro. Same. Uh, I'm a big, you know, born in Indiana, Shooty Hoops fan. So uh, I'm really excited to just be able to sit and talk about basketball with y'all for a while. Uh, hopefully uh, y'all enjoy. Um, so anyways, I'll have to say at this time, even though I don't have the great Southern accent, y'all come back now, you hear?